Hey guys, it's the Practical Idealist. I'm Destry. I'm Katie. And uh, today we're introing our second attempt at uh, podcast material, which was Jurassic World Fallen Water Bottle. Everything's <laughs> <laughs> just falling apart. We tried a different setup, <laughs> yeah. a different room. Mm-hmm. Interesting results. I'm very loud. I'm very quiet. Uh, this is before we had individual mics, so it's a uh, little bit better, a little bit higher quality than um, British Showman, I think. Not quite as good a discussion, though. We were pretty indifferent about the movie, as you will hear. Yeah. I mean, you had more to say than I really did, honestly. But you hated it. So. It was it was awful. And if you can save yourself from watching it, don't. Okay, guys. I hope you enjoy our talk back on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Good luck. It is Thursday, June 28th, and we are going to be talking about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which we both saw last night, last showing of the evening, with a pretty full theater, I'd say. Well, second to last show, they had the IMAX one. Oh yeah, they had the IMAX one that started 20 minutes afterward. We did see it in normal digital cinemas, so I don't know if it really would have been enhanced. It might have been cool. Some of the action sequences might have been cool in IMAX. I don't see how it could have been better in 3D, though. Was it in 3D? There was a 3D. Oh. It, it didn't really do anything in 3D. I'm going to tell you that There right was now. a couple moments where things were flying that might have been interested. Well, I mean, interesting. The biggest problem for the, for the IMAX would be that a lot of it took place in very small spaces. That's true. Um, towards the end, like, well, towards the midway point to the end, it was rather small spaces, so. And of course, there will be spoilers in this, because where's the fun in talking about something if you don't spoil the crap out of it? So, Destry, (laughs) what did you think about it? Because I have nothing good to say, so maybe if you have a little bit more positivity to go in, it might make it a little bit happier to listen to. How about overall thoughts first? Right, Just without going into specifics, what was your, your big picture... How did it compare in the franchise? Were you upset that you went and see it? Well, I mean, we just recently saw all of them, but the first one we both really like, it's not the book, which Katie has read all the books, but it's the closest in spirit to the books. And Michael Crichton also had something to do. I thought he wrote the script. That, I I don't think. He He definitely adapted it, if nothing else. Yeah. Because he, one thing I appreciated that Michael Crichton did say is that he he recognized that the book was not going to translate as it was into a movie, so he kind of made an acceptable film translation, because even by that point, his books were being adapted into movies, so he was like, yeah, fine, this is what I can live with. Really like the first one. The second one is the hardest to sit through. Good God, yes. (laughs) It's just overlong and doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, the third one is the cheesiest of all of them. It's the, the monster movie one with uh, Sam Neill and uh, Laura Dern, I think her name was. Michael Crichton did write the screenplay. I was correct. Although Laura Dern really wasn't in the movie that much. She just kind of made a, a bounce in. Mm-hmm. It was still nice to see their characters again. It was still nice to go on another adventure with uh, the Dr. Alan Grant character, which we have not seen in um, Jurassic World. And I can't tell if that's just because Sam Neill refuses to have anything to do with it or if they are purposefully keeping him out. Because I personally would find it fascinating to see Sam Neill and uh, Chris Pratt's character kind of have a little interaction there. I think, I think it's fascinating. 
they might have name dropped him at some point. I don't think the they did. I, I, I wasn't really paying that much attention I, to it. I feel like I would have remembered that. And then Jurassic World, which is the reboot of the franchise, and what I constitute a reboot is is basically taking the premise of the original and kind of expanding on it. It's not really a universe direct... expansion, not a remake. Yeah, it's not like a direct retranslation of the original concept. <clears throat> it's just kind of like a it it has elements of that, but it also kind of goes its own direction. And I think that it did a pretty decent job of kind of kickstarting it back up. There were of course some issues with that one, but they were pretty small in comparison to the issues with this one. Ultimately, it was a good segue into a a new age of Jurassic Park movies. Um, although they kind of wrote themselves into a corner at the end of it, because once again, we knew that there was going to be a sequel. However, the park was destroyed, so we're just going to go back into doing like what the others did, where we're going to go back to the island and we're going to see the creatures in their new natural habitat, and we're going to disturb them in the new order of things, and it just... It kind of went in the same direction as the other ones, which I kind of wish it hadn't. I also kind of wish it was a one-off, but of course, in 2018, nothing can be a one-off. So, anyway, back to the actual movie at hand. I didn't think, on the surface, that it was any worse than any of the sequels. It really didn't do anything, again, on the surface, that was blasphemy or ruined the franchise in a new way that it hadn't been ruined before so if you're just going in and you're like cool another jurassic park movie let's get it on then let's see dinosaurs be, fighting yeah, and some like cgi a, and a lot of chris pratt punching things like you won't be disappointed you'll be a little bit bored i think personally because after a while it just kind of just does the same thing there was just so much of it. There there was nothing else but constant. Yeah, it, it was pretty much dinosaurs for 95% of the movie. Which, again, if that's kind of what you're showing up for yeah. if you're coming to see a Jurassic Park movie. Especially so. in 2018 with our fair enough, technology but, and blah, blah, blah. So. Which was very pretty, to be fair. But once you start kind of digging back and, and taking the layers and looking at it from a, from a movie perspective... And from a like a script analysis kind of perspective, and also kind of looking at it in the greater scheme of not only the franchise movie wise, but also the books, which I haven't read, but I know enough about to speak somewhat intelligently about. It just kind of falls apart in weird ways. Like it, it's it's trying to borrow so much from what already exists, but doesn't understand why the things that it's borrowing exist in the first place. It doesn't pay homage to why the structures exist. It just kind of like, oh, like well, they, they I'll shove it in here because yeah. it, it worked before, so why can't it work again? They talked about it in the books, so we'll throw that in there. And, oh, well, this happened in another movie. We'll toss that in. It's just kind of a hodgepodge of ideas that we've seen before, which, like I was saying before, it's no worse than any of the other sequels because that's kind of what I felt a lot of the other sequels were, which is, well, this happened in the book and this was an idea that we kind of touched on in the last movie. Let's just throw that in there and see what makes sense. And it just, in this one, it just, it gets to the point where it's, it's such thrown together nonsense that after a while, there's no cohesiveness to it. 
and it just keeps falling apart the more and more you think about it. That's about where I'm at with the like the basic analysis. Just the overall baseline. And I agree with a lot of that. I mean, my biggest overall problem, because I had a whole bunch of problems, not all of which we will even touch on today because it just makes me angry. But I would say that the biggest issue I had was that the movie wasn't even its own movie because it borrowed so heavily from the movies that came before it that it almost didn't even exist as itself, if that makes any sense. It just, there were like shot by shot remakes of certain scenes, I swear to God. And there's only so many times that someone can turn their head in slow motion with dramatic music playing. While the camera circles While them. the camera circles them. And I mean, I swear to God, next time we watch this movie, I'm counting it, because it must have happened every 10 minutes. Like, start a drinking game. I'm, like, I'm no, sure. really. Like, it was, it was getting ridiculous. <laughs> it, it was really terrible. That and the emotional manipulation. I'm okay with emotional manipulation in certain movies because that's there. It's supposed to make you feel a certain way, but there's only so much of that you can do before you're like, well, you've emotionally manipulated me so much that I can no longer feel. It's what I like to call the John Green syndrome. Of course, the the big scene that I think everyone will remember is as they are leaving the island while the volcano is going, and you see the poor little <laughs> the long neck. Standing at the edge of the pier as it gets surrounded by smoke and the volcano comes rushing at it and it cries sorrowfully and the music swells and like Chris Pratt's eyes fill with tears <laughs> and they just kept switching back and forth between the face and the dinosaur and the face and the dinosaur and the face and the dinosaur and it probably did take a full two minutes for that scene to last. If that had been a quick little, like, they suddenly hear the cry, they turn and they look and they see and the smoke is going around it. And then the door shuts. And then the door shuts. That would have been way more powerful to me because it's like, oh my God, like, talk about something cutting off. But because it was so long, you're like, oh, that was sad. And now I don't care. Maybe I'm just a heartless, cold person, but... Well, no, I mean, the first dinosaur that you see in the original is the, the long neck. And every kid's favorite dinosaur is the peaceful, sweet... Herbivore. Herbivore, and, and you just... It makes everyone feel like a kid again, going to the museum or watching Land Before Time. Everybody loves the goddamn... What is it? Apatosaur? Aptosaur? <laughs> you can make me look up dinosaurs today, aren't you, Destry? Add that to your search engine. I think it's a patasaur. I'm going to laugh if we're completely wrong. A patasaurus. Okay. <laughs> because there's probably going to be a third movie, which why wouldn't there be? It kind of takes any, like, any and all emotional relevance away from it completely. Because the two-minute sequence is, in essence, the manipulation. But it would work if we knew that that was the last time we're going to see it. I agree. Like, it, that makes me sad thinking about it because it's like, okay, that's the first dinosaur that they encounter in the original, so you have a nostalgic connection with that. And then that's the last of that dinosaur that you see in the movie from then Just on out. period. Then I'd be like, okay. But then literally two scenes later, there's another one. Also, let's uh, take a pause here. I was correct. There is a Jurassic World 3. It is coming out in 2021, and that is the only information that is on IMDb about it. Um, but yes, there is another one. Just so you know. I'm not going to say it was an effective emotional manipulation, but it, it didn't make you feel it because 
you wanted to feel it and made you feel it because oh look at the sad dinosaur crying on the on the island as he's getting destroyed. Yeah, and slowly. of course, like you know, it is sad because you see a dying creature, and unless you are a heartless bastard like I am, mm-hmm. you you feel the sadness of seeing the animal dying. An old director of mine called it the Hamlet effect. There's only so much of pain and suffering that people can take before they start responding in a different way. So like something that happens with a lot of productions of Hamlet at the end where everybody dies is that by the end, when Hamlet dies, people start laughing at the death because you can't handle yet another person dying. You're just like, oh my god, that's enough. And I think what, what kind of sealed its fate was the silhouette in the smoke thing that they used for everything. Yeah. Every time a dinosaur Entered. Like, made an entrance, it was literally... Through smoke. Oh, like lightning and thunder in the background you see him creeping the up silhouette. on the guy or it's in the tunnel and it's in and the, the bedroom coming in and you see it his little claw opening the window yeah just and it's like in, in the moonlight you see the, the howling at the moon and, God. and it's just like they used it for every single thing so you're sitting there like okay that's really sad and then oh wow that's a movie trick that i've seen three times already yeah, they really <clears throat> reuse every single trick that they have in the book over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it, it just, it stopped even being like, ah, look at them, they're repeating themselves. And it started making me angry because I'm like, why did you spend all of this money on a movie that is literally you? Shot. It's the same shot in a different location. With a different place. With maybe a different person, maybe, not even yeah. maybe a different person, because Chris Pratt contributed to quite a few of those slow head turn shots. But why did you spend all of this money on a movie that was comprised of three shots? And then the characters were just so stupid and made such stupid decisions in this movie for no reason other than they're stupid. It battered me so much that I could no longer care anymore by the end of the movie. And one of the things that I love most about Jurassic Park as a franchise, both from the books and the original movies, and even from Jurassic World, is that it is inherently at heart a philosophical tale of morality. And I will debate you on this fact, because that's what it is, especially the books. And I think that one thing that this movie did do, probably more than the other movies before it, except for maybe the first one, is that it really did talk about the morality, not just of, well, is it right to manipulate DNA, but is it right to allow these creatures from like an animal rights standpoint Mm -hmm. Is it right to allow them to be destroyed? Or is it now even right here. to allow... Yeah, now that, they, now that they're here, they have a right to be here. Or should we let them be destroyed because they shouldn't have existed in the first place? So are you fighting nature by creating them at all and knowing that they are not actually technically the same animal? Because, I mean, that's a debate that we're even having now is... Is, it, is there even a point in bringing back endangered species, even recently endangered species, when there are no others of that endangered species to teach it how to be that animal? So it's not, it's not going to be the same animal because it's not learning how to be that animal. And I think that's also a reason that people use against zoos is, well, if they're being bred in captivity, even if it's in a nice zoo with a nice uh, habitat and everything, and you're planning on releasing them into the wild, well they might not actually know how to behave in the wild because they've been in captivity all of this time. So 
using that debate, I think, was a smart decision on their part because it, it made you think of them more on a human standpoint, I think, than a, is this right by science? Like, do humans have the right to create them? Mm -hmm. But, well, they exist now, so what do you do about this information? And, but the problem is that they answer that question pretty early on, I think. Yes. Like, within the first sequence, in my opinion, just kind of looking back on it, is that there is no way to, and they say it a couple of times, there's no way to put it back in the box. And the way that that is shown early on is that the big underwater dinosaur, it escapes into, like, open water. That's, like, the first big one to escape. Plus, and this has always been my question, there's pterodactyls on that island. We see them multiple times. So why haven't the they original left? One. We see them running away mm -hmm. from the de devastation in this one. So they're out there somewhere, too. So even if, okay, let's say, screw the dinosaurs. We're just going to let them all die on the island. Fuck them. We still have dinosaurs that are probably going to still pop up because the, like, stupidity of Humans. how they... Yeah, <laughs> right. So... It's not like you have an air force field around the island that's preventing the flying creatures from leaving. So we can talk about the morality of whether they live or die all freaking day long. But practically... But they basically already decided that it's going to live. Even if it's not all of them, but some mm -hmm. of them are going to survive. It, it's almost a non-debate. So basically they're debating on the land-based dinosaurs, whether or not they're okay to live. If we're, if we're allowing the underwater and the flying ones to exist, then... And free reign. Then is it, again, another animal rights issue where it's like, okay, well, these live because of their adaptability, mm -hmm. but then all the land-based ones are screwed because of... Volcano. It, it's it, it, it's so convoluted that it just doesn't even turn into anything anymore. Like, it's not even a debate. So we were talking about this earlier also. Why didn't they have a backup plan for Jurassic World, the park? <laughs> Because in the original trio of movies, we do learn that there was an extra island that was their research island, technically, but there's no reason why, if something went wrong at the park, that they couldn't transport these animals to that old island. I mean, you see it in the opening sequence of the original, is that they're moving, I think it was the raptors into the enclosure? I believe so. And they moved it from the other island to this yeah. island. So obviously, they have and, and they're full-grown raptors, yeah. so they obviously can sustain them on this other island. And they're just moving them to the park because that's where the attractions are. So, but there's no contingency. Yeah, there. so like we, we understand that there is some kind of, like, Hammond had an idea of, like, okay, well, we, we have something extra to do, and we, we, we have a way of transporting them and getting them from place to place. Why wasn't that the case with the new park? And even more importantly, okay, so say that the events of the original Jurassic World didn't happen, the park's still operating, and then through no fault of their own, this volcano becomes active, they're still going to have to move these creatures and all that technology out of there. Mm -hmm. No giant-ass corporation putting that much money and time in something would not have a backup plan. So the entire logistical... There's no way that they wouldn't have a backup plan. That's what gets convoluted with even the inception of the plot. There's too many practical questions that were not answered. But then my favorite part is that, okay, we don't have anywhere to put these things once, you know, some kind of disaster happens or whatever, but 
the corporation that, that that's coming in and stealing the dinosaurs to sell them off to the highest bidder has this entire elaborate process of how they're going to collect them and a giant and store underground them. bunker under a mansion, which I have so many questions about this. <laughs> that crazy guy took over and was like, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build this giant bunker underneath this manor without the old man knowing." Mm-hmm. Or was there like a torture chamber under here? Like, what was going on with this manor that all of these things were available already? Like, how long have you been planning on doing this? Then do you want to talk about the clone thing? It's Jurassic World, so therefore it's about the dinosaurs. But when we have a human clone... When they introduce a human clone into the franchise... Then it kind of turns into why does it really matter? Because in my personal opinion, that's the more... Pressing concern? Yeah, like... Where's all the money and, and, and research going into that? Because that's what I want to know. So we're going to spend that's all this time and money thing. on these dinosaurs. But then this girl was successfully cloned. And we're just not going to throw any money at that. But we want genetically enhanced dinosaurs that we'll use in war for killing machines. But then we're not going to utilize the technology that obviously exists somewhere, somehow to clone dead people. I do think that that can be excused away a little bit. They did talk about Lockwood and Hammond having a falling out over Lockwood cloning his daughter. So that does tell me that obviously Hammond at least knew that there was a a moral component. And he knew too with the dinosaurs. Like he even talks about it. Like he's aware that what he's doing isn't technically right, you know, in quotes. But... Since it's animals, it's not such a big deal. He wasn't in the business of cloning humans, which he knew would open up too many questions. And so I think that can kind of be explained away a little bit, is that he was trying to keep a lockdown on that technology. And I think Lockwood, too, knew that if he said, hey, look, I made a clone, his daughter slash granddaughter would become a test subject, and he wasn't about to let that happen when all he wanted was his daughter back. Right. What I'm kind of talking about is the guy who is in charge of the estate knew that the girl was a clone. He was the one that brought the the twist to everybody's attention. There's also no reason to believe that, that the knowledge of how to do that still exists, though. Because why wouldn't, if Lockwood got what he wanted, why wouldn't he just destroy the technology? Or why wouldn't Hammond destroy that technology after he was like, Holy shit, you cloned your daughter? No, 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 no. You would think that he would be exploiting that technology. Mm-hmm. As opposed to putting all this time and effort into locating and capturing and transporting and harboring and, and selling. and that, That's a lot of time and energy and money going into all of those things. When you could literally just be paying a researcher... <laughs> To learn more about human cloning. And that's a whole other movie. So I just... As my co-worker said when I told her about it. The fact that we're focusing on the dinosaurs in this one. They made their own movie one, lame. Yeah. Again, every single time that they introduce something that's supposed to like add a new dimension... Of the ante. It just convolutes everything much more and you're just confused as to why you care. Congratulations. I no longer care what happens to these animals, and it's your fault. There is a really, like, the potential for a really good moment when Owen and Claire are in the the cage, and evil guy 
is talking to them and he's like, no, 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 don't act like you're morally superior to me because you're not. You knew exactly what you were doing, running the park, creating a hybrid dinosaur, and you were creating raptors that were going to listen to human commands. What did you think was going to happen when people got wind of what you were doing and your techniques? You And he calls them the uh, the parents of the new age, the mother and father of the new age. And I'm like, that right there, that is an excellent point. Why aren't we going further into this? Why aren't we seeing them feel guilty? Why aren't they even responding to any of this? Why are they staying on their moral high horses throughout the rest of the movie? Hmm. That is the biggest point I think that they made in that entire movie. Like, no, you are part of the problem. So either you are going to fix the problem or you're going to accept that this is what's going on now and you're going to join the club. And that kind of, you know, goes toward the end where they're trying to decide whether or not to release the dinosaurs. Into the wild. Right. And the adults decide that it's not worth it. They're just going to let them die. Which is not very cinematic, which we all knew that wasn't going to happen because that's that's boring. That's just really boring. Well, I mean, and again, there was another potentially good moment where Owen's like, like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, mm-hmm. but if you if you press the button to release them... You you can't undo that decision, but and the, you have to live with those consequences. And she has a moment, and she's like, "You're I right. Can't I can't. I can't kill people just to save these animals." But then the ex machina of that decision comes way before that because we know and we've seen that the people who have already bought the dinosaurs from the auction Some of them already have got already been shipped. So what does it fucking matter? So there are already dinosaurs so, in the world. We started off with the... But they're still going to be privatized, though, those animals, as opposed to out in the wild. Right. So you can track, essentially, you could track those But that's convoluting it Yeah. You know, and and that's my whole entire point, is that it doesn't make it stupid. Like, these these are all very good questions, but they don't answer any of the good ones. We we can't make the movie better by talking about it. They should have a good movie on their own. We're still going to have dinosaurs that already escaped. We're still going to have the dinosaurs that have already been sold, and... Um, B.B. Wong's character um, already has all of his the, yeah, eggs and, and he and didn't stuff, and he didn't die, in, which was the most frustrating thing them. I've ever watched. Yeah, so he can just make him again. So nothing is stopping these people from doing what they want with these animals anyway. So why does it matter if they choose well, the to let them quandary, die or not? Well, that last quandary was: Do we choose to let them die because this is the main bulk of species? Or do we choose to release them in a urban, well, an yeah. urban environment? That was the only yeah. thing is that they had the last. It was the Noah's Ark of dinosaurs, as opposed to just the selection of DNA that they had from the hybrids that they were building. Because they weren't breeding new dinosaurs, BD Wong. They were making that hybrid dinosaur. Mm-hmm. So, so the they, technology so, and the tests, <laughs> the the blood samples it already exist. So what does it matter? You know. Yeah, and they did show that that they had that lab I mean, kit of the blood samples yeah. of all of the dinosaurs. I mean, it is. It's not. I'm not saying that. Okay, a whole it, bunch of dead people that matter. It's not. It's not a bad. You know, it, it, it's not a bad idea. Just let them run wild. No, I'm not saying that. But they've already opened the box, and so and and that's one of the things like you were saying. He has that moment with Claire at the end there, where he's just like, well, if you allow them to escape here, then you're part of the problem. And they're already part you of the problem. You can't do this. 
and the problem is bigger than them anyway, so whether or not they let these animals go doesn't really matter because they're probably just going to re-clone them anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it's, again, every single question that they try to bring up or try to answer becomes a non-issue by, by the end of it because of just how convoluted their logic is for the entire thing. And as you were, sa- were saying before, though, the uh, ex machina of that moment is the little, little clone girl, girl uh-huh. going, they, they were allowed to live like I was. Uh-huh. And thereby making it clear that adults don't make mistakes, only little dumb children do. So the adults do the the, the right thing. Yeah, and then she's like, no, I'm gonna, you know. Because I am one of them. So naturally, she's going to be queen of the dinosaurs now. And once again, here we go into the absconding of a blame. So for moviegoers, if you felt a certain way, which I don't know why you would, but if you felt a certain way about these characters and how dare they, and, you, and your finger wagging at them, you can't do that now because they chose to let them die. But that's also another, I mean, I guess that's kind of also a theme in the movies too, though, is that no one ever has to take responsibility for their actions. Like, no one does. Everything that everyone does, they either get away with or they die. Yep. Because, I mean, I, we, we have talked before about how the first Jurassic Park is very, like, they, there's a very clear moral standing in that all of the bad people die like this. Mm-hmm. And once you do something bad, you die, except for B.D. Wong. But... Well, he wasn't really the the bad guy, the bad guy at that the, point. Yeah, yeah, he was just the one doing what the bad guy said. Mm-hmm. But all of the bad people get very fitting deaths. And that was something I saw in the books, too, is that bad people die like this, and bad people die like this. It kind of scones him a blame because they make it very clear that he's in it for the science of it. Uh-huh. He doesn't care what the, they do with it. He doesn't care the, the money aspect of it as long as it's funding his research. He cares that... It the, can be done. Yeah. And you'll also know that he focuses on the scientific aspect of it. So whether the person that he's doing it for chooses to do it for good or for evil, it doesn't matter. He's a researcher. He's getting his his life's work funded. So it kind of absconds him a blame a little bit too, because he's not really technically part of the problem because he's advocating for the scientific aspect of it. And you'll also Like when know, they tried to though, sell the, the Indoraptor Yeah, that's or whatever, what I was going to say. When they, when they started trying to sell him, he was like, it's a prototype. We already talked about this. It's not for sale. It's not ready. And it's, it's not, not going to do, do what you want it to do. So They kind of tried to make him into a more reasonable and less hated character in this one by going like, look, he, he's against all of the killing parts too. Mm-hmm. But I wanted him to die so badly. <laughs> I was, I was like, "Come on, man! Let let the poor little raptor kill him painfully." No, what I really want is for Malcolm to kill him. That's that is my my dream right here. Is I want Malcolm to come. I just I want some good old fashioned killing. Some people on people killing. Well, they certainly paid. Um... What's his nuts? Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum to, to sit. His five minutes of, of, uh, of Jurassic World. <laughs> I did notice that Alan Grant, or recently Samuel, was interviewed about, like, hey, are you going to be in any of the Jurassic Worlds? And he said, well, never say never, but I don't see why Grant would have anything to do with this. It's a new era. Mm-hmm. This isn't what he does. This isn't part of him. But, although I could see in three, since they're out in the wild now, I could see Grant being needed. Mm-hmm. because he's a behavioralist. Like, that's what he does. He tracks them, and he knows where to look for them. 
So I feel like that if they're going to bring him back at all, because I know um, what's her face, Laura Dern, she said that she wants to come back. So I wouldn't. I don't know. They mm. might. I think that if they're going to use Alan Grant, which I hope that they do, I would love to see Sam Neill again. But if they are going to use Alan Grant, I think this third one would probably be a good place for him to come back. My biggest issue is that I feel like they've cocked up the franchise enough at this point that I kind of just don't care what happens. And that's rather unfortunate because I I do think that this has the potential to actually say something important and to be something important. And also, you know, cater to the people who just want to see violence and gore and dinosaurs. You're right. And I I think that, that, that you could strike a balance. But the problem is, is that the original trilogy before the reboot wrote itself into a corner. Mm-hmm. And we started off good with the previous Jurassic World, but then now we've written ourselves into another corner because now they're out in the wild. That was something that the original franchise never did. So in order to make a new movie, it was, what's the dumb reason that we have to bring them back to these islands? Mm-hmm. And in this one, the dumb reason to come back is, well, they're out in the world now. Let's explore what that means. And it's just like, that's an interesting concept. However, the way that we've gotten there is so convoluted, like I've been saying. That you just don't care about it anymore. The next one is just going to make it worse. They they did a clean sweep of the original franchise with the Mm -hmm. first Jurassic World. And of course, they created their own small problems with that whole scenario, but they were able to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit better. And now here we are at, in the second movie of the new reboot franchise, and it's just as convoluted and crazy and mixed up more as so, the first one was. If not more so. So if you're interested in this franchise because you want to explore what the franchise is trying to explore, which is moral quandaries, philosophical quandaries, all the stuff that the books explore, then you're kind of shit out of luck because that's not what they're interested in making. They're obviously very interested in making something that's going to look cool and people are just going to buy into because it's nostalgia and dinosaurs. And that's not even necessarily bad. It just is kind of underselling the potential of the story. So where I'm at right now is that, you know, we could sit here and and we could talk about all the potential. Well, it would be cool if we did this. It would be cool if we did that. That's fabulous. That's not what they're going to do, though. The problem is, is that anything that they're going to do from this point on, it's just going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. There's no way to recompartmentalize it like they did with the Jurassic World, the first one. I don't know, though. I don't know if there's no way that they could fix the problem. As far as I'm concerned, there's two ways that this franchise could end. Number one, dinosaurs all go bye-bye. There is no more dinosaurs. We're done. Bye-bye. It's all over, and then at the very last moment, you see B.D. Wong is still alive or something, and they're like, ha-ha, nothing's ever over. Number two, they find a way that dinosaurs are now part of local wildlife. (laughs) But it's possible. Like, why not? And, I mean, Malcolm even talks about that over the uh, the voiceover at the end Mm -hmm. where he's like, well, we're entering a new age now, and we're going to find out whether the dinosaurs are going to be here after we all die or whether we're going to learn to live with them. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is like we, we are in a new uh, like ice age, essentially, where it's man against beast. It's no longer man against elements. It's man against beast again. I watched 
a review or two last night after we saw it, and I thought that one of the reviewers had a good point, is that this is kind of the transition movie that, like, this is like the redheaded stepchild <laughs> of the new franchise here, because we needed this step to go to the next step. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be that awkward one that no one really talks about. So my thing is, is that I'm of two minds about it. Number one, it's so ridiculous at this point. Do I really even care if they try to fix it in the mm. third one? Or number two, if the third one doesn't fix it or have anything to do with what it should have to do with based on what the books talked about and what the premise of the concept is, then it's essentially over. Like, that's going to be the telling one as far as I'm concerned. Is that's going to be the live or die. It's going to either do what the it's supposed to do. The franchise is going to live or die by that last one. Yeah, it's either going to do what it's supposed to do, or it's going to cock it up again like they did with this one, and we're just going to be like, okay, now we're just as confused as we were the last time. How are we going to reboot it in five years again? Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, let's end on a happy note with there, two questions. There's a happy note? What? With two questions. Number one, best actual moment for you of the movie. Number two, best ridiculous moment. Like your favorite, like, I, I died laughing because it was so stupid. And the and a moment that you thought was actually good. I liked. Like you actually liked? This could kind of go either way. I, I liked the, the little game that the Indoraptor played with the the uh, the military guy. Oh, oh my god. That, oh, was, that was so satisfying, wasn't it? Oh, man. Oh, oh I tricked it, and I'm going to try to break its teeth, even though, obviously, Not gonna that, happen. that wasn't going to happen. And then like, it would wag its tail, and it would open its eyes, and then he would be like, what? And it would just go still again, and then it would wag its tail and open its eyes. I just thought that was awesome. It was well played. Yeah. And it was also, it was so satisfying. That was probably most satisfying death. And then your favorite good, bad moment slash funny moment. Oh, so that counts for, for the good moment? I think that's a good moment, unless you can think of one that's better. Because I thought that was actually good. The best stupid one was the, the linebacker dinosaur. <laughs> tossing everybody up in the air and shit. <laughs> just Chris Pratt beating everybody up and then people are just popcorning uh, in the background. Uh-huh. And I, I just like that one little line where Chris Pratt says to the, the geeky uh, tech guy, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I rode my, my motorcycle through the woods with a bunch of raptors. He's like, we're not compatible. We're not compatible. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you? I think best stupid useless moment would probably be the um, Chris Pratt physical comedy when he gets strength. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about just, that. <laughs> that. Wow. That was totally unnecessary, but thank you for putting it in. Um, for his my own isolation. Personal, his, his leg isolation. <laughs> He's very flexible, apparently. I'm struggling for a good moment. I mean, honestly, I think my favorite well, part was when Claire and Owen were in the cage, and the guy's like, no, you, you don't get to be morally superior. Uh-huh. You are the problem. I'm just being honest about what the problem is. But let's be fair. We both know what the most ridiculous one was. It was the Indoraptor howling at the moon, <laughs> slowly... On top of the roof. On top of the roof. With a full moon in the background. Slowly opening the, the bedroom window. The bedroom, with the, uh, like, like the door or whatever with the claw, and then slowly coming in, and then... And little the girl breathing heavily. And the, and the hand in the bed... That would have been... And Chris the, Pratt kicks the door open. Right. That would have been a wonderful, like, teaser trailer. Yeah, That trailer would have been shot. a wonderful Poster. little, like, moment 
like little short film to advertise the movie or whatever. Just know that there is there a there were a couple where, moments of audience collectivity. Uh, it seemed like the audience was responding pretty decently. We had a semi decent audience. It was pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet, but everyone responded at the correct moments. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty scattered reactions. Like, mm, I thought there was a few good group ones. Yeah. I I always enjoy movies where people are having fun. Like when Destry and I went to see it and everyone like that was a actually full theater Uh and just everyone losing it and people turning to laugh at me. And that was that was a good theater. (laughs) So I thought that overall glad we saw on half price movie day. Oh, yeah. I would wait till. It comes on like rental. Like, and if you turn out to like it, that's fine. You can, you know, you can. If buy you were going that, in whatever. wanting to see dinosaurs beating each other up and wanting to see Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt action star, you're going to be satisfied. There were some really beautiful CG fight scenes, and the dinosaurs were very. They were beautiful, and, and especially you, and you the. Feel the, like they were connecting with them. Like, yeah, it didn't feel. Because I'm almost positive most of it, if not all of it, was CGI. I highly, oh, highly I, it doubt must there have was, been. Like, there might have been some, like, electronic heads made. I don't know. But I, I don't know. But anyway, is that I never felt like they were talking or interacting with something that wasn't there. Yeah, it it all felt very natural. Like, especially I was Especially when they were in the, 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 the enclosure with the T-Rex trying to get his Trying blood. to get the blood. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was very, everything was anchored very well. And, and you could. Feel, you know, the textures looked real, and it looked like they were actually holding on to things. And they were touching and it. And, yeah, yeah, there there were no. I mean, obviously, we didn't examine it shot by shot, but I didn't see any obvious like, wow, that was a big misstep. I mean, it, so it was, it was a competent movie. If you're if you're going in for the visuals because you want to enjoy an action movie with nonstop running dinosaurs all the time, you're gonna enjoy it. Dinosaurs running through. Uh, Enclosed, small, yeah. Always. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. It was not it was not bad as far as that's concerned. If you're looking for hardcore nostalgia and a really good Jurassic Park movie, watch Jurassic World. Watch Jurassic World. Watch, <laughs> well, watch Jurassic Park and then watch Jurassic, Jurassic World, World so you really get all of that nostalgia. Because the first time we saw Jurassic World, I hadn't seen Jurassic Park yet, so. Destry and the audience are like, oh, look, and oh, that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, and? <laughs> and then we rewatched Jurassic World, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's all so cool. I appreciate this so much more now. So, yeah, it's it's not worth it just for the franchise. It's worth it just for if you want a dinosaur action movie. One of the last thoughts that, that I had was that both of them included the, the weird hybrid creature thing. <clears throat> And I felt that that was unnecessary in a lot of ways. Like, in the first one, they explored it a little bit more, a little bit better. Well, in the first one, they were just trying to make something cool. In the second one, they were weaponizing the DNA yeah. research. It was a, a logical continuation of that technology. Yeah. Like, now we know how to splice the... I was gonna, for, I don't know why I was going to say unicorn DNA, but I was going to say <laughs> unicorn DNA. Now that they know how to splice the dinosaur DNA, then it, it makes sense that they that would turn into weaponizing or making specific blends for a specific reason. Now, the impetus for the first one was the, the the hybrid creature getting out and causing havoc. The impetus for this one was the weird volcano thing that apparently no one thought it would be a good idea to check that. They could have fused these two movies together and made them more cohesive mm-hmm. and made more sense out of it. 
and had the impetus for the original Jurassic World be the volcano, like the oh shit volcano. Yeah. That causes the havoc that unleashes the dinosaurs. And then we talk about the, the animal rights of, okay, we're saving the people because we have the researchers and we have the people that are visiting the park and blah, blah, blah. We got to get them out of here. But we created these dinosaurs and they're living beings now. So we have to, are we going to take care of them? We're gonna die, you know, and mm-hmm. I think they could have explored that and then also explored the, the crazy spliced character. You know, I feel like what happened is that they were not expecting a franchise initially. I think that they were just trying to make a, a good, good movie. movie, which is fair enough. Like I will take that any day. And then when it was popular, because of course it was popular, they didn't have a plan for a second movie. So they're like, well, we have to get them out into the world because that's what we want. But it makes no sense to just have that happen. So we have to inorganically make that happen. And so we need an entire movie to make that happen. And I think that it just, it got so convoluted in the writing stages that they kind of lost sight of whatever vision there could or should have been. I can agree with that. Because it it just did not feel like, number one, a natural successor to the first one. And it did not feel like they had any game plan at all. Like, it, it did not feel like they knew where they wanted to take it. I think that they were just... No long-term plans. They were just kind of hanging on a prayer, and they're like, well, we know that we want them out in the world, so let's make another movie to get them there to make people buy tickets. Also, make sure when you watch the opening scene, read the crawler on news. It's hilarious. Yeah, uh-huh. Because that was the first thing I did, and I'm glad I did it. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious that we were supposed to empathize with the old guy, the the Mr. Lockwood or whatever, and he's being played by James Cromwell, which is the guy who played the Nazi crazy doctor in American Horror Story <laughs> Asylum. So I'm just sitting there like, I don't trust you. Like the Every time you came on screen, I'm just like, I don't know about you. <laughs> I know that you've done something naughty. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately... On my personal rating scale, it'd probably be about a two, because I don't know if I'm glad I saw it. I'm, I'm I'm still on the fence with that. My rating system basically goes from one, it was crap, it was it wasn't even competent. Two, it was competent, but it wasn't that good. Three, I'm glad I saw it, but I don't need to see it again. Four, I'll see it again, but I probably won't recommend it to anybody. And then five, I'll see it again, buy it, and recommend it to somebody. And mm. I just, I feel like it was more a two for me because I don't know I if feel I like it's like a two and it. a half for me because anything that makes you talk about it, yeah, that had enough potentially good ideas is worth a little bit of something in my book, even though they didn't do it well. They at least they, they had something going on, they just didn't do it well. I can agree with that. My biggest issue with that way of thinking about it <clears> is that. They were so intentional about the emotional manipulation like we talked about before. Why couldn't they be just as intentional with the ramifications of their plot and morality and philosophical questions? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like, okay, if they put a whole bunch of time and effort into this side of things, why didn't they balance it with this other side of things? Right. And that's where I'm on the It doesn't help the movie any, but I... 
I, I don't want to just give it a straight two because at least it did yeah. make me think. So, two and a half from me. I stand by the, I would just rent it. Just rent it. Yeah, I wouldn't go, actually, go and see it. I, I don't even know if it would be even worth seeing in IMAX, honestly. It didn't... Uh, oh. It might be cool. I think the sequence could be cool. But, like, the first 45 minutes happen on the island, and then the rest of the movie, which is about a two-hour-long movie, you would say, happens in, like, this manor house, and it's just small enclosed spaces the rest of the time. I don't see the majesty of seeing the IMAX version. Yeah. The original, that that would have been cool. Yeah. The, well, the original and Jurassic World, mm-hmm. that would have been worth it. This one, I, 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 it's just another way to get your money, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And that's how this feels to me, is it's just like... It's a money ploy. Because it's an established franchise, and they'll give us more money. Yeah. It, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Like, it could have been way, way worse. Oh, they yeah. Put, they did put effort into it. They just didn't put a lot of thought, and that's my I, I agree with that. It's a competent movie, but it's just, it's not, it's not good. We'll see what the third one has in store here. In it will certainly be years. interesting. But I do stand by my, my thought is that if they don't get it right with this next one, it's over. Like, it's dead. Like, let, let it go. And then we'll, we'll worry about rebooting it in about five years. That's where I'm at with it. Any last thoughts? I'm just glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I'm glad we're done talking about I'm it. I'm glad I don't have to think about it for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Rental, 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 rental. And that was our talk back on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Hope we didn't hurt your ears. I know I said that the last time, but I'm going to say it again. (laughs) But hopefully this new setup that we got is going to be a little bit easier to uh, not only edit for me, but for you guys to listen to. I got some tricks up my sleeve now and some experience with some things. So hopefully they'll be a little bit more together. Any uh, last words, Katie? Make sure you uh, leave us comments. Let us know what you think. Follow us on Twitter. Yep, we have Twitter. It's at idealist underscore the because Twitter is weird. And we also have an Instagram, which I'm doing better at updating. (laughs) Um, And that's also the Practical Idealist. Or you can find us with both of our first names. So uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.